0: Good morning Cornerstone and happy Mother's Day to all our mums. How's your Mother's Day going so far? you received some flowers, some chocolates, maybe breakfast in bed? How much washing up have you been left with? Well, today I want to honour our mums and I want to honour motherhood by looking at a very striking example of a mother, by looking at Hannah, in 1 Samuel, chapter 1. Please look with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel, chapter 1, where we read that there was a certain man whose name was Elkanah, and he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. And don't these words paint a portrait of deep sadness. We all know couples who would love to have children, but you just can't. And we must never forget them, their unseen and often lonely grief. Well, in verse 3, we read that year after year, Elkanah went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Elkanah, as we will see, is is a godly husband and father. Eli proves to be a neglectful father. Hophni and Phinehas stole from the people's sacrifices, and they abused the women who served at the sanctuary. Hannah's childlessness seems to be a metaphor for the spiritual barrenness of Israel at that time. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? It was hard enough that Hannah couldn't have children. It was harder still, that she was mocked for that. And Elkanah probably provoked that mocking by openly favouring Hannah over Peninnah. He tries to comfort Hannah, but he doesn't seem to understand her pain. Now, why was Hannah suffering childlessness? The Bible teaches us that all creation is under God's curse because of sin. The Bible teaches us that creation is broken. Some couples have children, others can't. Some people live to an old age, others die young. Some people enjoy riches, others have to endure poverty. Some never experience war, famine, disease, or natural disaster, and others have to live with these things their whole life. In this fallen world, everyone must suffer and die. In God's governance, for his own good purposes, some suffer more than others. Now, Hannah's childlessness was not random. No suffering is random. We read twice that the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. You see, God had planned something remarkable, something amazing to come out of her suffering, as we will see. Look there at verse nine. Now when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery, and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head." Here we see Hannah bringing her anguish and her misery to the Lord. And we must always do that always bring your pain to the Lord. He may not give you what you ask for, as he did with Hannah, but he will always give you what is best for you and what is most glorifying to him. Now, do we read here that Hannah is making a deal with God? Is she saying, if you give me something, I will give you something? Not at all. This is the heart of a woman shaped through years of suffering. Suffering had driven her to own the truth that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And we read that in Psalm 24, verse 1. Perhaps if Hannah had found it easy to have children, she may thoughtlessly have thought of them as her children and just her children. It was her suffering that convinced her that she belonged to the Lord, that she was in the Lord's hands and that any child of hers any child that she might be blessed with must also belong above all to the Lord. And she proved that conviction by promising that if the Lord gave her a son, that she would give her son to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor would be used on his head. In other words, he would be what the Bible calls a Nazarite, a person devoted especially to the Lord's service. And the Nazarites were distinguished because their hair was not cut and they didn't drink alcohol. And you can read about that in Numbers chapter six. Back to 1 Samuel chapter one, and now I'm looking at verse 12. As Hannah kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, May your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. This is not the last time that prayer would be mistaken for drunkenness. But Eli's misunderstanding turns into a compassionate prayer for her. He prays that the Lord will hear her prayer grant her heart's desire and Hannah leaves with hope. Her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and with the dawning of the sun we see the dawning of hope for Hannah. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Belkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And when her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So Hannah stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. In the Bible, the birth of a child to a a childless couple, to a a couple that, that can't have children, always marks a new work of God. It did that with the birth of Isaac and the birth of Jacob and the birth of Joseph and Samson and John the Baptist. And Samuel marks a new work of God in the life of Israel. It was Samuel who would come to anoint Israel's greatest king and the ancestor of Messiah himself. So as soon as Samuel is weaned, he is taken to serve the Lord. Hannah keeps her promise as soon as it was possible for her to do so. And the dedication is described in some detail. Look there at verse 24. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought them to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, she brought the boy to Eli and she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he, that is Samuel, worshipped Lord there. The parents' generous offering reflected their deep joy and thanks. This chapter, this very beautiful chapter, reaches its pinnacle with verse 28. With these three powerful statements, we see a godly woman's consecration of her child to the Lord. Look at them again. Hannah says, now I give him to the Lord. If the greatness of God's love for this world was seen by his giving his one and only son to this world, we see the greatness of Hannah's love for the Lord when she gives her one and only son to serve him in Shiloh. She doesn't keep Samuel to herself. She gives him, she gives him to the Lord. And she says, secondly, for his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. Doesn't this so powerfully reinforce The first statement, he is given to serve the Lord and he is given to serve the Lord all the days that he lives. The sacrifice of that three-year-old bull on the day of Samuel's consecration mirrors Hannah's complete, irrevocable handing over of her son to the Lord. And finally, we read that Samuel worshipped the Lord there. That was Hannah's sole intention. Her sole purpose was that Samuel would be consecrated in order that he might give his life to worship the Lord. Some 60 or 70 years later, and we read about this in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Old Samuel, and I reckon his hair would have been very long and gray towards the end of his life. But old Samuel stood before Israel and was able to say, I am old and gray, I have walked before you from my childhood until this day, here I stand the end of his life, Samuel was able to say, my whole life has been given to the Lord to serve him and to worship him. And that was his mother's intention. Well today is Mother's Day. It's a day to honour our mothers and to honour God's gift of motherhood. And we have focused today on Hannah and I think she is an extraordinary mother. Why do I say that? Well for years Hannah had prayed and hurt and ached and wept for a child and when she is finally given a child she nurses him for three or four years, and then adopts him away forever into the service of the Lord. She gives to the Lord the most precious thing that she had on this earth the boy that her heart had longed for for years and years. She consecrated her child to serve and to worship the Lord. Now, if Hannah was with us right now, if we could talk to her right now, we might ask her, Hannah, we know you loved Samuel, so why did you give him away? Why did you give him up? Why did you give him away to serve in the Lord's sanctuary? And we know what Hannah would say. She would say, we were created to worship and to enjoy the Lord forever. The best and greatest thing a person can do is to know and to worship and to serve the Lord forever. It is because I love Samuel that I gave him to the Lord. How could I possibly have loved him any more? and by giving him to the Lord? You see, the mother who idolizes her children, who wraps up her hopes and her happiness with her children, well, she will subtly shape the lives of her children to her own ends and it is inevitable that she will be disappointed. That's the false false love of Mother Gothel in Rapunzel, or at least in Disney's version of Rapunzel, which is called Tangled. Mother Gothel loves Rapunzel only for the eternal life that Rapunzel's hair gives to her. It's a distorted love. A distorted love that ends up harming Rapunzel and herself. The greatest love that a mother can give her child is this. The greatest love that a mother can give her child is to seek first the kingdom of God. The greatest love a mother can give her child is to love Jesus Christ first and Jesus himself said in Luke 14 verse 26 if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes even their own life such a person cannot be my disciple we can only be a disciple of Jesus, in other words, if we put him first, even above all the most precious people in our world. The Christian loves Jesus first, and Christian mothers know this, and that's the greatest gift that they can give to their children. And the Christian mother knows that she must love her husband second. And a wise Christian husband will want to be loved second second to the Lord. Though husbands and wives are blood relatives with their children, and they are not with each other, God has only made the husband and wife into one flesh. The one flesh relationship of marriage precedes children and it goes on after children have left the home to form their own families. The husband and wife who neglect their marriage to devote themselves primarily to their children do their children no favours. Children who see mum and dad's primary devotion to Jesus Christ and their secondary devotion to each other are given a great gift and example. Children love to see mum and dad hugging and kissing. Well, until they turn about 12 or 13, that is. But why is it that that little children in particular love to see mum and dad hugging and kissing? It's because it shows them that mum and dad are close and love each other and are committed to each other. And that's the rock solid foundation which they need so that they can build a life of security, secure on the foundation of their mum and dad's love for Jesus first and then for each other. He gives them the security that they need. The Christian mother knows But the greatest gift she can give to her child is to love Jesus first, her husband second, and then her children. And she knows that loving her children means giving them to the Lord, just like Anna did. Giving her children to the Lord to serve and to worship Jesus all their days. This is the best thing the best thing for mum and dad, it's the best thing for the children, it's the best thing for the world. When Hannah gave Samuel to the Lord, she gave a tremendous gift, not only to the Lord, but to her nation and to the world. God used Samuel to find and anoint David, who was Israel's greatest king, from whom would come the Saviour and the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Loving our children means pointing them to Jesus. We cannot save our children. Yes, we would gladly die for our children, but we cannot die for our children's sins. Only Jesus Christ, God's Son and Saviour can do that. He can save our children, despite the mistakes of the parents and from the effects of the mistakes of the parents, though we may fail our children, Jesus Christ never will. I'm so thankful that my own mum sent me to Sunday school Sunday after Sunday for many, many years. She gave me a a great gift there, and I'm very thankful to her for that. And for close to a thousand Sundays, when I had gone off early to church to complete my sermon preparation, Amanda Sue stayed at home, dressed the children, got them loaded up into the car, drove them to church, took them into church, where she then had to spend a lot of her time watching the children and and keeping an eye on them, often getting very little out of the church service for herself. And I see this with so many of our mums, well, at least when our church was able to meet. I see that time and again. And I want to encourage our mums. I want to encourage our mums who do this week after week. By doing this, you are teaching your children how important it is to gather together and to worship the Lord together as a church. You are giving your children a very great gift. May your children learn from you. That church is important, that church is a privilege. May your children see you praying, may your children see you going to Bible study and reading the Word of God every day. A parent's example is far more powerful than a parent's words. Children, a little word for you from God's Word. God commands that we honour our parents. In Ephesians 6, we read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honour your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. God knew that your parents wouldn't be perfect but when we honour our parents we honour God. So honour your parents, honour them by how you speak to them and about them. Honour them by obeying them while you're under their care. And honour them by helping them. As soon as we're done here, why don't you run off and do the dishes for mum? Finally, whether we've been blessed with children or not, whether we are mothers or not, we can all be like Hannah in that we can all bring people to the Lord in our prayers and by our example and with our words by telling people about Jesus Christ God's great gift to the world who died for the sins of the world that we could find forgiveness eternal life in him. We can all be like Hannah in that we can all bring people to the Lord, to come to find forgiveness and life in him, to serve him and worship him all their days. May the Lord bless us all with many spiritual children. Happy Mother's Day to our mums, God bless you all. I pray that you've been blessed by God's word this morning. Amen.